just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show. This is Speaking Influence and my name is Johnny Ball. This is the show where we explore the world of ethical influence and persuasion in life and in business to help you become a more powerful communicator, building influence and authority in your professional life and even in your personal life. And even sometimes exploring the unethical side of influence and persuasion so that we can recognize it and even defend ourselves against it. Guests on the show have ranged from successful authors and entrepreneurs to secret service members and psychologists. We've had marketing and branding experts, the occasional professional comedian or world champion in public speaking, professional storytellers, former cult members, neuroscientists, voice coaches, professional stylists, political speechwriters, and public speaking experts, and more besides. Each episode takes our guest knowledge and experience and turns it into actionable information that you can use to build a deeper understanding of how the world of influence and persuasion works. My guest on the show today is Robert Raymond Riopelle. And I didn't even realize when we connected that I kind of recognized Robert's name, but we actually had a really incredible connection and you will discover what that is in the show, but it was really good one. And we were so happy to discover it. And it gave us a lot of common ground to be able to discuss as well. We don't spend too much time on that in the show, but I know you'll enjoy that as well. And hearing a bit of insight into mine and Robert's background that uh, might not have otherwise come up in conversation. Robert is an amazing speaker and trainer and is great at energy and talks about his journey with burnout as well. And how that's a real issue for us as coaches, speakers, and trainers that we have to be very aware of. And it can take us out the game if we don't look after ourselves and make sure that we are replenishing and refreshing our own energy and giving ourselves what we need to be able to continue in a healthy way in a life and business. A risk that any entrepreneur will know is an easy path to letting work and business take over every aspect of your life and losing balance altogether. In addition to that, we talked about really connecting with people and audiences and, and being in service in a way that is really valuable to you and to your audience, what it really means to deliver value. We had a lot of fun making this episode, and I hope that will not just come across, but also be fun for you to listen to and enjoy. All that remains for me to say is enjoy the episode. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that helps you to master the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. 
If you're a coach, speaker, or course creator and would like to have a simple online ecosystem for your business where you can create funnels, build an integrated website, sell and host courses and live programs, build your list with lead magnets, manage your sales, create communities and so much more in a way that is affordable and fully supported, you'll love New Zendler. You can try everything out for free. And if you love it, you can register for monthly or discounted annual billing. It's more cost-effective than most other similar platforms. Don't pay for a multitude of services you have to then link up manually. Get an online solution that does everything you need in one place. Find the link in the show notes and try New Zendler as the all-in-one solution for your business today. Welcome to Speaking Influence. It's great to be today speaking to someone who I'm very excited to be talking to and I've been looking forward to having this conversation for a while for so many reasons and you're going to understand why as we get into it. But this is someone who has a huge amount of experience and expertise in the training world and someone who uh, we discovered very quickly that we had a mutual connection, which we'll share with you as well, which was, which was wonderful. And also we're going to get some really great impactful conversation in as well. That's going to help you become more influential and persuasive in stuff you do like, especially if you are in the speaking and training world, you are going to want to hear everything that my guest today has to say. His name is Robert Raymond Riopelle. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Johnny. I'm glad to be here. And you're right. I've been looking forward to this conversation because I can't believe it's already back in May. We originally started connecting and then Goodness. you know, emails back and forth. And then we had to get to know each other call. And so we're finally making it happen. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's been a, a real treat for me as a podcaster to get so filled up throughout the year with guests and, and with incredible guests. You know, I, I vet my guests quite thoroughly and make sure that I bring people on who are going to be interesting and relevant to speak to. And I get super excited when I get to speak to people like you, because I, I, I know the kind of things I, I've got these burning questions that I really want to ask you. There's some stuff I really <laughs> want to talk about. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say in response to this. And I know we had a great conversation before, so I know this is going to be a fantastic chat as well. Let's launch into things by asking you, I want to get a sense from you of someone who is a great example, a paragon, if you like, of influence and persuasion to you in your world and, and why? Oh, you know, there's so many people, it's hard to choose. But one of the people I would say would actually, I would go to my wife, Roxanne. You know, here I have, I've been blessed very much Johnny, where we met when we were 13, started dating when we were 16, got married when we were 19. Well, actually I turned 20, 12 days before our wedding. And we just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. And if I have no problem telling people that if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be where I am today because she's not willing to let me play smaller than I am. But with my upbringing, my programming, if it was up to me, I'd be in a job comfortable, but miserable, but comfortable. Because I was raised that, look, you find a job, if it's secure, even if you hate it, you do it. And so she's the one, even when it means having to kick me in the ass to get me moving, she's the one that's held me to a higher standard, which is a gift that has paid off so much for me in my life. And so she's an influence that, you know, really is a big influence in my life. Fantastic. I see why it's so important to have those people who can see your potential and hold you to that and say, you know, you could be much more than this. You push yourself, get that healthy challenge in your life and that keeps you growing and developing. And that, that's so much of what it's about and great to have had that powerful relationship in your life for such yeah. a long time as well. Wonderful. 
as we get into these, people may be wondering, what is this connection we were talking about? And so we have to introduce almost a, as a ghostly presence on the call, although he's very much alive, T. Harv Eker, who is someone who is our mutual connection because we both do work with Harv. Correct. And, and you know, I, I'm like, who are you talking about? I don't know who Harv is. No. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I love when you find connections like that, because here we are on the opposite sides of the pond as some people call it. And yet you've worked with him for years. I was his very first protege, the very first person that ever trained one of his trainings other than him, went on to train thousands of uh, over half a million people with his material around the world and develop a lot of the trainers he uses around the world as well. And then through going on podcasts, all of a sudden I meet up with you and it's like, oh, look, you know him too. <laughs> and work closely. And it's, it's him, his son, his, you know, his life partner. And it's just, yeah, it's cool when you realize just how small this world is. It's a nice smallness to have in the world, I think. And uh, one, one thing that's interesting, and certainly you realize this from reading your profile, and because you have taught so many of Half's programs, is that uh, we one thing we do have in common, which I'm really glad to have, that we have in common in addition to that, is that because of that, through those programs, we've both helped many people, probably you more than me, but we've both helped many people achieve financial freedom and more besides that as well. But then that whole financial freedom thing is a huge thing for people in their lives. And I was thinking, well, I was reading your profile again, and thinking, yeah, I'm glad to have been a part of that as well, to be able to be helping people set themselves up for, oh, yeah. I mean, it, there's so many more things than that, but the financial freedom element of it is super important. And it's usually the one that if you haven't got that, all the other stuff is going to be very hard to work on. Well, yeah, because you, and especially when you see people make that shift, because that's what happened to me. That's where my wife and I got started. We walked into our very first program with Harv out of necessity. Someone had introduced to us $150,000 in debt, personal debt, financially stressed, shoulders tight, like locked up. And after three days, it was like, there is hope. And taking what we had learned, we were able to then go from $150,000 in debt to being retired completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. And it's like, wow, this stuff works. And so, yeah, absolutely feeling blessed to have been able to now help thousands and thousands of people around the world do the same thing. Because when you do see them go from <laughs> to there's hope, it makes a big difference. And having even a small part in that, that's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things I think that these kinds of trainings and stuff have been so much more important more, maybe more than ever recently, because I think people have been losing a lot of hope. People have been challenged on a more global scale and, and yes. you're right about how important that is to have hope for the future and hope that things can be better. And if people start to lose that, it leads us down a very dark path and somewhere that we know was, we all know we don't want to be there. We all know we don't want to go down that path. And certainly it's great that there are people out there who are helping provide those solutions and get people onto a hopeful path that's going to take them out of the darkness and to, to a life that they really want to be leading. Now you, you are someone who is quite exceptional as someone who has been, as you say, Harv's protege, one of the first people out there leading that. What really attracted you to step into that and actually become a trainer and decide you could be someone who could have such a strong influence on other people's lives? Well, it was going through the trainings myself as a student. And I'm still a lifelong student. I will never quit learning. And I was watching the transformation. And one of the things that happened when my wife and I retired is we started volunteering at every event. Because one of the things I know about myself, I've learned because I do so much introspection now. You know, as I say now, I didn't used to, but is I know I am a procrastinator. 
And instead of get beating myself up over it, it's like, okay, knowing this, how do I utilize that knowledge in my favor to overcome it or work with it? I know I'm not going to conquer it. It's not like I've got to get rid of it because I won't, but how do I take that knowledge and utilize it? And so one of the reasons, things that we realize is if we're in the energy as much as possible of growth, then we didn't have a chance to slide backwards. So when my wife and I first retired the first time, we volunteered at every event that Harp put on. And he was only, get this, Johnny, he was only in Canada at that point. He was in Alberta and British Columbia. That's it. And we were living in our uh, mobile RV. And so we could travel between Alberta and BC. And we were volunteering for two and a half years, up to 38 events a year, which while we're doing that, we're now in the energy of amazing growth-minded people, not having a chance to slide back. And that's when all of a sudden, as we're doing this work of volunteering and seeing the impact on people's lives, I found my passion was to teach. And for years, Harvard had been saying, hey, I'm looking for trainers, but you have to have a lot of experience in front of a lot of people and for so much. And I'd never trained a day in my life. So right. my initial mind went, wow, that's not me. But one of the things I do have is I have tenacity and I have passion. And that's how one day, 2002, all of a sudden, Harp pulls me into his vehicle for five minutes at one of his warrior camp trainings and says, are you ready? And I'm like, am I ready for what? He goes, I'm writing a new program. I need some help. I need you to take the stage for five minutes tonight and help um, put, tell the students to, here's what's going on. Here's tomorrow morning. See you in the morning. Let it go. And I'll tell you, this is why I say in my book, five minutes can change your life. Because of that conversation and going on stage for five minutes and getting to see that, wow, I can do this. It just opened everything up. And it was like, that was the moment in my time. I'll still remember Buck Mountain, British Columbia, Warrior Camp, boom, 2002. That's the um, day it, it all kind of did that pivotal change for me. Wow. Uh, that, that's a, an inspiring story, to, especially to, to someone like me, uh, who I can see some parallels with my, with my own journey as well. And, and I definitely get that sense of you have to make that decision to step up, but you're a real testament to the power of showing up and being in the environment and not just showing up and being there, but showing up as someone who is excited to be there, someone who's really a part of it and wants to develop things and help things along going really well. When you show up with that kind of energy and you are really showing up as someone who is a leader in that sense, in those environments, even if it's in some small way, you get noticed. And I think yes. even now that there's the opportunity in online environments for people, if they show up in the right kind of way in, in groups and they're just trying to spam with, hey, uh, get my lead magnet or hey, you know, come register for my course, actually give value or just join in and get themselves noticed yeah. for the right reasons, that those opportunities are still there. Absolutely. And in some ways, very easy to have, even without having to be physically present. You can be in somebody's consciousness as we are now on the other side of the planet, if you do things the right way. So that showing up is, uh, is still a huge part of being able to progress yourself, and, and, but it is very much showing up in the right way. I, I wonder for you what maybe have been some of the biggest challenges or obstacles to overcome in terms of becoming a professional trainer. This guy right here, that, that's been the biggest one. It's something I still even today deal with is self-doubt, is who am I? Why would someone listen to me? Really, because my mind then wants to compare myself to other people. And so that which we need to learn the most we teach, there's a reason I do the deep work with my students 
because it's what I'm continuously working on for myself. As an example, when I first started training and I did my very first training on my own, June of 2004, Los Angeles, 1,200 students, first time ever anybody had taught a millionaire mind intensive, hard not even in the city. And we broke the mold. We showed it could be done. And we exploded across North America after that. From 2004 to 2008, late 2008, I ended up doing over 200 multi-day trainings around North America, including helping launch into Asia. And I got burnt out. And I had to take a year off to get over the burnout. One year turned into three and a half years because I had also didn't realize I hadn't been taking care of myself. So I had herniated a disc and went through two back surgeries. Yeah. And I'm getting ready to come out of retirement. And all of a sudden, my wife's looking at me. I'm preparing for my first event. And she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, nothing. And she's like, bull. <laughs> you know, she's going to call it like it is. She's yeah. like, what's going on? And I'm like, well, what if I don't have it anymore? Pardon me? I said, what if I don't have it anymore? I haven't trained for three years. What if I get on stage and I don't know how to do it? And she looked at me and she's like, are you done with that crap? And I'm like, well, what? She goes, are you done with it? She goes, the moment you step on stage, it's like you've never left. And of course she was right. But that was what was going on in my head. It was that lack of, it's been three years, all these reasons why I couldn't do it. So that's the, I guess you could say the shadow that I go against and work against on a daily basis. And so one of the reasons I keep teaching is to keep making myself and help myself move forward because I need it just as much as my students do. Yeah, it's amazing how easily we can work to talk ourselves out of things. And uh, the thing that our friend Harv refers to as mind trick, right? It's all the stuff that yep. goes on in our heads of why we shouldn't do it or why we're not good enough. And uh, these conversations that can take us out of the game if we let them. And so having somebody in your life who can challenge you to push through that is, is really good. But what do you think, if, if you haven't got that person, how can you best challenge yourself to push through that? What do you do with that mind freak? It helps. Well, just first of all, acknowledge that's all it is. And for those who don't know what mind frick means, it means mind friction to give resistance. And that's what our minds do. And so this is where um, surround yourself with growth minded people, even if it's someone that's not a close, like a spouse or a family member, find friends, find community, quit trying to do it on your own. Because especially like, look at what's happening in the world today. To me, and it's just my opinion. The worst thing they could have called it was social distancing. You know, yeah. physical distancing, yes. Okay, keep yourself safe physically. But now more than ever, we need social in our lives. We have to be able to reach out. I have an uncle, my dad's oldest brother. He's second, my dad's second oldest of 10 kids. So his oldest brother got locked down for months in his room at the facility he lived in for, uh, for seniors. And so his room, 100 square feet, for months, they weren't even allowed to come out. Their food was delivered to the door. They, and so they were locked in their rooms because no one knew what was going to go on. Seniors are the most susceptible. And thank goodness he had internet to be able to stay connected with people. Because the worst thing we can do for ourselves, why do you think in, in prisons, the worst punishment they can give you is solitary confinement? Because when you have 24-7 with yourself, it will drive you mad. That's why it's one of the worst punishments out there. And so don't take it on for yourself. Have the courage. And I'm going to say it takes courage, Johnny, because it does. Have the courage to reach out to people and say, you know what? I just need someone to talk to. If I am having a bad day, can I just call you up? Can I just get on a text message with you? 
can I just reach out so I can interact? And having the courage to do that. And of course, people are like, but Robert, that means I'm vulnerable. That means I'm weak. No, that means you're strong enough to say, I'm looking for help. And right. is there going to be people that can't handle that? Absolutely. Look for the people who are there willing to be step up for you because, hey, you step up for them at the same time. It's a two-way street here. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I know for, for me on my, my own journey, I think part of my resistance to that were initially earlier on, because I certainly don't have that anymore, was that I not wanted to be a burden on other people. I kind of think I should deal with stuff myself. You know, the very British sort of <laughs> keep calm, carry on, stiff upper lip. Stiff kind upper of stuff. lip. <laughs> yeah, very, very much, very much that. Shouldn't be burdening burdening other people with my problems. So keep it to yourself. But but nonetheless, I was always there for other people with their, with their problems. So at some point I recognized as well, I'm not being fair to them if I'm not letting other people be there for me as well. Because exactly. it's, it is a two-way street. We want to have the relationship running both ways. Uh, and the one-sided relationships are never too healthy, really. But also, I think that was the point where I recognized that relationships, network was so important to success and, and life in general, to having a fulfilled life, that my, my network now is so much bigger. Of course, you know, my, my close intimate friends are still my close intimate friends, but I have many more friends, many more acquaintances and a very powerful network of people who I know most of them I can go to and say, Hey, look, I'm having a problem with this. Or I'm having, if I'm on the struggle bus at some particular point that, that, that I can let them know. And they'll say, all right, let's have a chat. Let's set up a call. It's so nice to have that. And, and it yeah. also, it gets me straightened up afterwards to, it, it to get on and stuff. It does. Yeah. 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 I have a friend that are one of our agreements. And this is the context of it. Our agreement is if either of us gets really upset about something that we just can't let go of, that we can text the other person, set up a quick call. And when we get on the call, the job of the person that's, if I'm sitting there and I'm pissed about something, I just can't release that energy. And it's just not going. Because again, self-aware, if something um, takes me out for more than a few minutes, I'm taking a deeper look. Why is this impacting me so much? And if I just can't let that energy go and I see I'm internalizing it, I can call him up and his sole purpose is just to be on the other line, not take it personally. Let me just rant, rave, get pissed off, just let it all out. And then at the end he goes, are you done? And if I'm not, I'll keep going. And then when I'm done, he'll, he'll go, are you done? And I'm like, yep, great. Have a good day. Yeah. And it's not about justifying. It's not about, I understand. Are you okay? He's just there to listen be that sounding board to let me just get it out. Then it's gone. And then we end the conversation. We don't talk about anything else because that's the sole purpose of that call is if one of us needs to vent and we don't take it personally on the other end, if we're the receiver, mm -hmm. even if it feels like it's getting personal time, it's just like, okay, got it. Are you done? Perfect. Have a good day. Boom. Yeah, great. I could, I could easily see myself setting up a venting agreement with, uh, with one of my friends as well. I think that's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> I want to move on to asking you about, about specifically influence and persuasion. Like what do you think from your experience uh, and the work you've done is important and really matters in the world of being influential? Well, one of the things is, and, and because my arena, I've trained thousands and thousands of trainers around the world and I love, it's my passion helping people bring their message out. And my number one rule for them, be yourself. Who you are off the stage, be that person on the stage. Because when it comes to influence and in this arena, and you've seen it too, Johnny, I'm sure. Yeah. You see someone who's amazing, they're dynamic on the stage. And it's just like, wow, they step off the stage and they turn into a jerk. 
and you're like, what happened to the person on the stage? And one of my mentors, probably the greatest advice he ever gave me was, Robert, never be afraid to meet one of your students anywhere in the world and have to figure out who to be. Just be you. And I've met students in the most amazing places around the world out of the blue. And yeah, it's, it would be too tiring to sit there and go, oh my God, who do I have to be right now? Hey, how are you? Yeah. You know? And when I meet my students, they're like, wow, you are just as much of a goofball uh, off the stage as you are on the stage. I'm like, yep, absolutely. I like to have fun. And so that's the key is be yourself because there's, and it's not just in the influence of the training arena. You see it in all arenas. You see someone who's in a job and you're like, if you were to meet them on the street, you're like, I don't recognize you. So if you're going to influence people, the greatest influence you can have, in my opinion, is just to be authentic, be yourself. And either people are going to like you or people aren't. And if people like you for who you are, that's awesome. If they don't like you for who you are, that's awesome. (laughs) Isn't isn't there an element to that though, which is for some people may be thinking, well, I don't really know what that would look like or uh there's like an element which you need to know yourself you need to know yourself because you need to know that you are being true to yourself and showing up as the true version of yourself but how 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 do you think people can get a sense of that or get on the right track for that if they don't really feel like they're in touch with who they authentically are or they feel confused about that how could they get some clarity that comes back to that group of growth-minded people around you and and you'll, you'll make a clarification on it too between, you know, and, and for years I would be on stage and I'd have a hundred or a thousand or more people in the audience go, Hey, don't you feel amazing? You're in a group of like-minded people. And everybody like, yeah. And last year, one of my mentors gave me a paradigm shift where I don't look at it like-minded anymore. I don't want to be around like-minded people because basically what he said was, Robert, if you're in a group of complainers and you're like-minded, you're going to be a complainer. He said, so you don't necessarily want to be with a group of like-minded people. He said, but a growth-minded person, not only are they the person that will pick you up when you fall, they'll be your greatest chariot leaders when you're doing well, but they're also the ones that are willing to have the tough conversations with you, the tough conversations with you when it's needed. And so when you surround yourself with growth-minded people, those are the people that are going to be sitting there. And if you're being just a sheer out jerk or whatever, they'll tell you. And that's how you get that feeling of who am I truly? Because if they, if you're acting out or trying to be someone different, they're going to be like, I don't know who you are. And I don't like that. Or man, you are being so authentic right now. And that is how you'll learn. Cause if we're trying to see it for ourselves, you're not going to see it. You've got to have that outside introspection or outside perspective of other people to yeah. really help you. And especially if you're struggling, if you're struggling, trying to figure it out is because you're trying to figure it out. And that's one of the things I love is instead of figuring it out, of course, let it out. And you know. You know what brings you joy. You know when you do something or say something that doesn't resonate, it causes inner turmoil. Just pay attention to what's going on inside of you, and that will give you the greatest clues right there. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, the, for me, the introspection element is a big part of it, and and I, I find, and maybe you do as well, that I can generally tell fairly quickly when I meet somebody whether they've ever done any introspection or work on themselves, like <laughs> developmental stuff. No or not. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there is that sense of you just you just said that people can see things from different perspectives. They have a bit more of a sense of who they are. And I guess that growth mentality as well is a part of it that I haven't really thought for. But I think as I think about it, as you talk about it, I think, yeah, I'd see that as well. It makes such a difference. And I do think it's important for us to take that time. And I wonder if people are actually afraid of doing that or if they just don't find the time to do it. I, I know people probably go through their whole lives without a moment of introspection, probably, but it's such a critical part of the journey. It is. Well, why do you think they created the, the TV series, The Walking Dead? Because that's what most people are. And, right. and I see it as a joke, but it's so true because so many people have been conditioned to accept their lot in life. I have no other choice. This is who I have to be. And it's like, no, the moment you wake up, and start to realize, and look, I was a walking dead for years because it, to me is, you know, one of my first jobs, I was working in a factory when they opened the factory, I got hired on at the age of 18 and I started working in the factory doing quality control on cedar doors. And this company had factories all over North America. And I charted my path was I'm going to be a general manager of my own factory. I'm going to work here for 40 years. And the reason why was because to me, it was like, I was looking at the general manager. He's driving a nice car. That's what I want. And my whole goal was not if I was enjoying the work, if it was something I really wanted to do, it was this seems, okay, it's a job, it's a career, it'll support me and my family. So even if I don't like it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to advance and this is going to be my career. And I was going and existing through life. I wasn't really living life. And so I got promoted into the working in the shipping receiving department, they offered a chance to go to night school to get some accounting and stuff like that so we could advance. And I, okay, yeah, that sounds like what I need to do. And so I did that and I got into inside sales. And I'm now lower management and I'm 20 years of age and just about to turn 21 when all of a sudden I get the news, they're shutting the factory down. And at the time I was not a happy man, but I look back today and that was probably one of the greatest days of my life. When the general manager called me into the office and said, letting you know, we're shutting the factory down. You were laid off. And then I still remember his name though, Johnny, his name's Ron Humpting. Yeah. I guess uh, looking back, it didn't upset me that he laid me off. What upset me most is he then sat me down and told me everything I was doing wrong. And if I wanted to um, have success in my life, what I needed to do different. And let's just say I wasn't in a position to be listening to him very well, but I look back now and I go, thank you. Thank you. Because had I, could you picture, could you picture me being a general manager of a factory? It'd probably be the most fun factory in the world, but yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see, see you in a different light now for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. And sometimes the worst the things we think are the worst things that happen to us end up being the best. I've talked sometimes about, I tried to get into the police force in the UK when I was quite a young man and, uh, and I didn't get in being the kind of guy I was, I had to apply to the top force in the country. And uh, even they said to me, maybe try one of the other forces because <laughs> I was reaching <laughs> for the best. You know, I was holding myself to that higher standard, but I didn't get in. I'd say I felt devastated about it at the time. I wasn't happy about it, but I look back and I think I'm so glad I never went down that path. It, wasn't, right. it just wasn't right for me. It just wasn't right for me. And I'm much happier that I didn't have to go through some years in the police force. And I know people who've done this as well, who've gone through some years in it and then realized, oh, this really isn't for me, or I'm not happy here. I didn't have to do that. Although much like you talked about, I kind of drifted for a bit 
I ended up being very lucky with how I drifted. <laughs> I, I drifted very well, but I, I did kind of drift for the longest time until I decided where I wanted to go and that I wanted to be able to Look, do more. That's, that's been your journey and that drifting yeah. has made you part of who you are. So it's perfect when we look back, right? Even though yeah. maybe in the moment we didn't see it that way. And it was like, why? And, and, and like even me laid up six, seven weeks in bed when I, before my first back surgery, couldn't get out of bed. And I'll tell you, Johnny, nothing humbles you more when, than when someone has to wipe your butt because you can't. That is a humbling experience. And I look back now though, and I go, but it's made me who I am today because I could have easily been gone into ego and, you know, I've been on stages around the world and I'm all that. And the universe, yeah, you're maybe all that, but you know, we can also lay you up really quick. And so that's made me who I am. So yeah, I look back at those times and go, I learned so much from it and not that, and let me be clear, I'm not wishing to ever have that happen again, <laughs> but I got a lesson from it. Yeah. Right. I think that that's so much what's important. I think we have all these stories going on in our lives. And we should pay attention to the messages that the things that we can learn from them. And, and even the ones that we think sometimes that we've learned the lesson from, if they're not positive lessons, one of the things I work often with private clients on is going back and re-examining some of those experiences and looking where the positive lessons were, because that's where you can really start to put a lot of your past to rest as well that's right. by, by getting what you really needed to get from that rather than taking away, oh, well, you know, people are terrible or life is a disappointment or something. These really un unsupportive messages that can leave you feeling very dispirited, I think, and certainly not to get you on a good path. Now, I want to talk a bit more about the being a trainer. Like, what do you think would make somebody or be a re good reason for somebody to become a trainer these days? If you have a message, the, as, as my, um, one of my mentors, he's still my greatest mentor as a trainer. And I love what he says. He says the world needs teachers and it's not necessarily teachers that are hampered by a system, a school system stuff, but people who have knowledge, people who have experience that the world is waiting for. And it definitely does take courage to do it. And you have to be willing. My, my favorite quote of all from, um, Harv's book, Secrets of Millionaire Mind, every master was once a disaster. It's my favorite quote because it's so true. Yeah. And that's what stops most people is they go, oh my God, I did terrible. No, but you did, you at least did it. You took one step. Now take another, take another. And so I, that's and why my passion is to help trainers really develop themselves is because I want to help them be able to deliver their message in an authentic present way in congruent congruency with who they are. And so when you can see people step up because I don't care who you are, what you've gone through in your life, there's probably lessons that other people are waiting to hear that they'll only, even if they've heard it before, they'll get it when you say it. And yeah. that's a, a responsibility to take on. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do, because to me, it's like, how many people can I get out there living their message in an authentic way and doing something that you said, adding value, not just, Hey, come get my PDF, come get this, come get that. It's like, how do I add value, 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 value? And when you do that, and if you're authentic about wanting to really be a trainer and do that, the money becomes a beautiful side effect. And, and I hope your listeners get what I just said. The money becomes a beautiful side effect. It's not the reason you're doing it, but because you're adding value, it will come to you. It's a tool. And yeah. so, you know, yeah, the world definitely needs trainers in my, and teachers, in my opinion.
I, I agree. One of the key reasons that I do this show, like the ethos behind what I do is that the tools of influence and persuasion are out there for everybody who wants to learn them and use them. Unfortunately, a lot of the people who do go and learn them and use them are using them for their own ends to just to make money or to screw other people over or you know, yep. for lots of unethical reasons. And so unfortunately, a lot of the people who don't understand these tools and sort of psychologies are susceptible to them more than just about anybody else. And also yep. not able to put out the positive messages that counteract and create more balance in the world and, and replace those not so good messages with ones that are going to potentially change the world or at least change somebody's life and have that ability to make a difference. So I see this as being very much a, an empowerment process that people need to understand influence and persuasion, especially if you are taking becoming a teacher in some way, shape or form. And yes. I think we all are, whether you decide to do that as your profession or not is a bit different. And you're but... influencing people, whether you know it or not, you're yeah. always influencing people subconsciously, unconsciously, habitually. You don't even have to say a word to someone, but being in the same room with them, you're making an influence on them. So it's how do you choose to make the influence? And, and you tap touched on a very key thing is there are people that use influence in a negative, non-supportive way. And it's about being a, a person who's caring and, and doing it to help people. Because look, you and I, from the trainings we've done and the work on ourselves we've done, we know that we can help people get over hurdles. Yeah. And some people may look at it and go, oh, well, that was kind of a, you influenced them or you manipulated them. And it's like, so it's a very gentle, very gentle and very, you've got to look at it because if you see a greatness and potential in someone, and that extra nudge gets them to tap into it. And, and you know what it'll do for their life, but they don't in that moment. And so you could do it just to get the money. And that's what a lot of people do, unfortunately. But if you help them and guide them and encourage them and influence them so that, you know, how many times I've had people come up and I go, I can't believe I signed up for that damn training. And I'm like, yep. And they're like, I, and I said, just get there. And when they finish it, all of a sudden they come out and they go, thank you. I didn't realize how much I needed this. You don't know how you just changed my life. And one of the greatest feelings for me, Johnny, is when someone comes up to me and they say, hey, do you remember when you said this? Here's how it's changed my life. And they tell me the stories and like, I'm lit up right now with goosebumps. And I'd love to actually share one of those stories with you. Yeah, please. I was in uh, Toronto, Ontario, getting ready to do a three-day millionaire mind intensive. And I'm walking down the corridor on the way to the training room. And I've got about, I think, 2,500 students in the room that day. And all of a sudden, this woman comes around the corner. The moment she sees me, she stops. And she looks at me and she goes, you! And I'm like, yes. <laughs> she goes, I want you to know that because of you and your trainings, I quit my job and I left my husband. And now, as a new trainer, I might have gone, I want my money. <laughs> but I've had to learn to trust. And I looked at her and smiled. I said, and, and she broke into a great big smile. And she says, I've now met my soulmate and I'm living my passion. Thank you so much. Can I give you a hug? And we're talking about it. And she's talking about how, you know, her and her husband knew that their relationship wasn't meant to be for years, but they just stayed with it, stayed with it. And she was doing stuff she hated doing and she loved art, but she wouldn't give herself permission to do it. And so the moment she had the power in herself to say, this isn't working, I've got to speak my truth. And, you know, she had sat down with her husband, had the conversation. He goes, 
we've needed this conversation for years. And they parted on amicable terms. She started, she didn't know how she was going to do. She's a hairdresser. She didn't know how she was going to incorporate her art. But even today, today, years later, she now does beautiful artwork. She gets to live with her art. She still does some hair on side because she loves doing that as well. But she's jumped into the passion of doing her artwork. And actually, you know, I have a very unique pet. And it's really interesting is that I have a pet pig, 265 pound pet pig. And eventually my, one of the goals on her bucket list, my wife and I are going to write a series of children's books based on her. And it's going to be called The Adventures of Gracie May. And a few years ago, I put out a uh, post on Facebook that said, hey, here's Gracie May. I'm looking at having, doing a children's book. I'm looking for someone who can be an illustrator. And I had over 200 people message me saying either they wanted to illustrate or they knew someone who would. So being a warrior, I said, I'm going to put them to the test. And I said, here's the picture. Send me an illustration of what you perceive she looks like in a children's book. And now, Johnny, out of over 200 people, guess how many people actually submitted a drawing of my pet pig? Oh, probably only a handful. Just one. one. Wow. One. And this person didn't just do a drawing. They did two oil paintings and oh, sent wow. me the photos and they were stunning. And I'm just like, this is amazing. Oh my God. You captured her. This is gorgeous. I said, can we get on a Skype call? And we're talking. I said, and I'm just saying, this is amazing. This is awesome. I, you know, I am so happy. And we're in the conversation and all of a sudden she looks at me. She goes, um, Robert, you don't know who I am. Do you? I'm like, yeah, sure. Sarah, I recognize you. Blah, blah, blah. She goes, no, 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 no. You don't remember me from a couple of years ago when I met you in the hallway, do you? And I told you that because of you, I quit my job and left my husband. And I'm like, that was you? I said, I tell that story all over the world. She goes, no, you don't. I'm like, I sure do. And I hadn't even realized that this was the person. Now she was doing her artwork. And all of a sudden now, you know, when we write the book, who do you think is going to be my illustrator? And all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, I'm getting a message from her. Oh my God. Oh my God. Robert, I got to get on a call with you. I need to talk to you. I'm like, what's the matter? She goes, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm like, well, actually probably am, but okay, tell me. She goes, you told me I could post on Facebook that I'm going to be your illustrator. So I put the pictures that I did up. She said, a woman just called me who's written, she's written several children's books. She saw my picture. She's asked me to illustrate her next book. And I'm like, how awesome is that? See, when you have the courage to step up into your passion, those are the kind of things. And so when it comes to influence, some people, you don't see what, how amazing you are. It does take that other outside perspective. And so I take it very um, personally. Let's go to Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. And so I take that responsibility on that. I, if there's something, a person, I know that they have something in them. I'm not going to shy back if a little influence is going to get them to take that step that they won't take themselves. If that yeah. makes sense. Yes, pos positive influence in people's lives. And just from um, maybe a, a practical tool as a speaker and presenter, how important is the passion that you bring to what you do, in your opinion? Oh, it's not important at all, Johnny. <laughs> passion has nothing to do with I can't even do it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it is so important because look, there's not, it's not always good days. And there's, if you don't have a passion for what you do, you're not going to do it long. Yo, example, 2020, <laughs> just before the world changed, my first trainings of the year, 
I did a training in Germany and the next week I was in um, Sweden. And from my back surgeries, I'm very aware of my back. And all of a sudden I traveled from Germany. I finished on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, up to 12 hours day on stage. Monday I rested, Tuesday I flew to Sweden and I moved the wrong way, hurt my back. And usually I go for a quick walk to loosen it up. But being it was winter time, I couldn't walk and they didn't have a fitness center in the hotel. And all of a sudden I had to give myself permission to lay in bed and do nothing for two and a half days in pain because I knew that's what it was going to take to get my back to release. Otherwise, I couldn't go on stage on next Friday, the, you know, a couple of days later. And if I didn't have passion for what I did, I would never, never even think of traveling around the world because it, when you train and you give everything, you, it, it's tiring, it's draining. And if you don't have passion, you're not going to do it for very long. So yeah, it's critical, critical. Yeah, I, I see some mixed opinions in certain circles in the speaking and, and teaching world about these kinds of things, about motion and energy on the stage. And I, I'm a big proponent of, I think we should bring energy, we should bring emotion and make it appropriate to what you're talking about, of course. But if you don't have that emotional flexibility to go where you need to go, and this isn't for you, this is for the benefit of your audience and taking them where they need to go, it's essentially we we sell these ideas, we sell influence and persuasion through stories more than just about anything else and, and through what we teach, but also that's the story of how we show up and how we deliver. And I think whilst you can get somewhere without super high energy or, or having to get super emotional about everything, I, I think people who think you don't need to bring much emotion, that you can have this sort of soft stoic attitude of not needing to be very emotional at all, is actually doing a bit of a disservice to, to your message, in my opinion. I don't know what well, you think of that. I, I agree, but if a person is authentically that way, where they're not energetic in that, then they've got to be authentic to who they are. And sure. they just might have a tighter niche market where it's, it's not going to be, look, I don't appeal to everybody. There's people that walk out of my training rooms because I'm too high energy. And I could take that personally, or I could say, okay, it's just not right for them and yeah. be okay with it. So there are people that, I, and I know a lot of people that where is they just want someone, give me the facts, nothing more than the facts. Don't try and give me this high energy stuff. Just tell me what I need to know. So it depends on who you are. You've got to be authentic to you. Yeah. I, I like to aim for a balance of those things, but I do think, I think it's important to have those moments that are going to be very memorable for people. I think that's where a lot of the energy and stuff and the emotional stuff comes in. It's like, if you really want stuff to be memorable, you have to be triggering quite strong emotions in people, I, I think. But, but you maybe. can do that without having to, to be, and, and look at Gandhi. He moved uh, the world <laughs> and he wasn't the high energy person. This is true. Right? And so it, and he, but he was authentic to him. And that's what resonated. Had he tried to be like, be the change you want the world to say people would have been like whoa who's this guy it would have been gandhi you know, but <laughs> he was just very very quiet and himself and that's right. what moved people sister Teresa, same thing right yeah so is that that quite quiet energy yeah i'm not a super like uh, pumped high energy like tony robbins on the stage kind of guy although i can do that but you know it's not necessarily authentic to me i'll do it where it's appropriate but yes. um you know, the, the sort of peaceful energy and stuff that's still, to me, that's still taking you to an emotional place. It's still leading you on, on, on the journey. It's the, the soft, quiet voice that speaks to you in a different way and connects with you in that different way. Uh, and I think it's 
you know, as a speaker and a trainer, I think it's good to have the, the ability to go to all of those places if we can, Without where, a doubt. where it's appropriate to us as well. Without a doubt. Yes. I know one of the things that, that you have and that you teach is about being able to create impact as a trainer. What, what's important there? How do people create more impact as a trainer, as a teacher on the platform? It's getting out of here, getting out of their head and being able to be present with their audience, being connected with their audience. And that comes from practice. See, so many new trainers, they're so caught up in their head, they're missing what's going on in the audience. And, you know, what it's called is um, calling it as ising. You have to be able to call things as it happens. And if you're up here in your head, you don't see what I'll give you an example of that. This weekend, I trained an online training and it was eight, nine hours each day, two days straight. And taking what I usually do in a camp setting and doing it online, I had to really be watching the students. I had to be really so practicing, practicing, practicing. I know the material inside out, so I don't have to think about it. And so a couple of times during the training, you could see the energy shift. And if I wasn't paying attention because I wasn't present, I wouldn't have been able to catch it, adjust and, and take it in the direction or make the correction that needed to be done. I would have just kept going on because this is what's in my head. This is what I learned. This is what I'm supposed to say. And meanwhile, the audience would have been right checked out, but I'm still doing what I was taught to do. And this is. And it, it almost comes across that way. So it's important that you are present with your audience. And instead of talking at them, have a conversation with them. And that's the biggest thing I see between new trainers or speakers and ones that do have experience. Ones yeah. with experience can have that conversation because they trust in themselves. And they know that, you know, if I say something wrong and look, let me be clear, I make, I say a lot of things wrong. But I don't, I catch it quickly. I apologize quickly if I make a mistake and I'm there with my audience being very, very present. That's the, one of the biggest keys to me. Yeah. Influence and persuasion, I think I see them as being that currency in this, the world of status in the being known and being a teacher or being someone who's in the public eye, even if it's on a smaller scale and not, we're not talking necessarily major celebrity here. You, you talk uh, in some of your things about four currencies of life. Yeah. What are they? Well, the first one is the one most people think about, which is the currency of money. And what people don't realize and what I've realized in my research is you, if you have too much money in your life, it's called affluenza. And you have affluenza when you start doing crazy things. You start making investments without properly checking into them, doing your due diligence. Because it's just like, yeah, 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 okay, take, here you go, here's the money you need. So too much money, affluenza. Too little money is called poverty. And I've realized that people have a zone. Everybody's zone's different. And your zone will change with you as you grow and go through life. And as long as you're in that zone of, of income and how much money you have, your life flows pretty well. But if you get too close to the poverty, you get stressed out financially. If you get into the affluenza, you start losing money, you start spending it, you just get rid of it. So that's the first currency. Second currency is the one that we all have the exact same amount of. That's the currency of time. And too much time on your hand, boredom. Look at how many people when, you know, things change in 2020, all of a sudden they're like, I'm bored. I'm at home. I have nothing to do. And I'm like, I'm busier now than when I was traveling around the world. <laughs> yeah, that was me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and too little time is stress. And what I've come to realize is the reason a lot of people are stressed on the currency of time is they're really, really busy, but they're not necessarily productive. And there's a world of differences there. And yeah. so, you know, I love to teach people how to become more productive, which actually frees up time 
to be able to have with family for themselves, stuff like that. The third currency is the currency of fame. And especially with social media today, like this talk tick or TikTok thing, people always want their videos to go viral. Yeah. And it, we've seen that fame, notice that, and let's talk superstars. Some superstars, fame, they crumble, but other superstars, they can handle it. So what's the difference? And when it comes to the currency of fame, it's not about getting the fame, not getting your 15 minutes. It's what happens when you get more than 15 minutes. Can you handle the ongoing fame? And it's who are you as a person? How do you stay centered? How do you stay, you know, grounded? And so as an example, I get, I'm blessed to travel all around the world. And it'd be easy to be in my ego of like, look, I'm all that. And every trainer, they go through what I call a starstruck stage. I do not care who you are. You're going to go through it. The question is not if you're going to go through it, it's how quickly do you get through it? And so I could be like, oh, wow, look, they love me. I'm in front of thousands of people, but I have family and friends that keep me grounded. When I come home, one of the running jokes with me and my wife, I'll get home and she'll go, honey, you're home. You have no more assistance. Go take out the garbage. And I love it because that allows me to stay grounded. I'm, I'm just another person. That's all I am. Right? So that's the third currency. And then the fourth currency is the one I love to focus on the most, which is the currency of experience. Are you just existing in life or are you actually experiencing life? And I'm talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Are you checking out or are you actually here in the moment? And so when I do talk about this one, it's things like, you know, if you've got a vision board and you have the things on your vision board, have you gone and experienced them? see if this is something you truly want, or was it an ego want? Uh, example, a friend of mine, when he coaches people, first thing he does is they put together a vision board and then they'll go through the vision board together. And one of his students had a Lamborghini. And he said, so why do you want a Lamborghini? And the guy could tell him every speck about the Lamborghini, the CCs, the zero to 60, everything. And he said, well, have you ever experienced riding one or driving one? He goes, no. He says, well, how do you know you want it? Oh, I just know. He says, here's what I want you to do before our call next week. I want you to go and either rent one for the day or go and test drive one and just experience it. And he got him to commit to doing that. Next week, they're on their coaching call. And he says, Ed, he goes, I don't want a Lamborghini. And he goes, why? He goes, I'm six foot two. I'm not a small guy. Getting in and out of that damn thing was hard. It was painful. I love the car, but no. Let's see, until he'd experienced it, he didn't know he thought he wanted it. Yeah. And how many times in life do we think we want something and we chase it, we go for it. And then when we finally get it, we're like, it's not really what I wanted. Had we experienced it and tested it out, it would have given us an idea. So those yeah. are the four currencies. It's kind of like chasing the things that we think give us social status. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Shiny object syndrome, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fantastic. I really like that. And there's so many things I want to talk to you about and sadly time is against us. But I do want to make sure we get to mention that you do have a book. You mentioned it earlier. So just quickly tell us a, a bit more about your book as well. Yeah. In 2017, I uh, released my first book called Success Left a Clue. And it's now an international best-selling book. And I'll tell you, I love it because it's six steps. This is what it looks like right here. And you've, Johnny, you've been so gracious to invite me onto your show and your podcast that as a gift from us to your listeners, I believe that your time is one of your most precious commodities. And the fact that you've taken your time to be with me, and more importantly, 
your audience has taken their time to actually listen to my craziness. I, I really appreciate that. And so as a gift to them, I'd love them to be able to get the full digital download copy of this book where they get to use it and go through the six steps. And they just do that by going to my website, robertreopel.com. Just my name, nice and easy. But I will say it does come with a caveat. And, and the caveat is this. I didn't write this book for you to read it, put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not why I wrote the book. And we are creatures of habit. I wrote it as a workbook. So step number three in the book is you have to take action. And so I have action steps all the way through the book. And I'll actually even say, hey, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now. Go back, do the action first. And I guarantee you, if people download it and they do it and they do the actions, they'll see a change in their life. That's fantastic. It's a great offer. One that I'm going to go and check out myself, Robert. So thank you. Let me, let me ask you this. And one thing I always ask my guests, in addition to your own books and resources, what's a book that you would always recommend to people? You Maybe relevant to what we talked about today, or maybe something completely different, but something that you would say, you should go and read this. You come to Robert and ask for a book recommendation. Here's what you're going to get. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Love this book. I love this too. book. I, I would recommend that day in, day out. So that's a book right there. Fantastic. Yeah, I highly recommend that too. It's one that I have in my daily declarations that I do for myself. I go to my five agreements because there is a fifth one as well, right? And yeah, uh, yeah I, I got, get a lot of value from that. For me, they are like core life principles. So I think it's a great recommendation. Yeah. yeah. If, and, if there was just, I actually, I just... Sorry. Sorry. I just came across, I was going through and unpacking some um, stuff as I'm moving into my new office. And I came across this copy of it and it took me back to November 11th of 2011, 11, 11, 11, very special day. I was actually in hiatus on my retirement, but I did a very special speaking engagement. And the reason I went to Denver to do it is because it was the first time Don Miguel Ruiz had actually come back out of retirement because he had just finished having heart surgeries. He'd been not speaking for years because, and just focusing on passing his knowledge to his son for his son to take on his journey. And then he was able to have heart transplant. And this was one of the first trainings he did out of that. And I got to spend amazing time in the green room, getting to know him and having great conversations. And, and I came across his book, which he had personalized to me that day. And it just took me right back to that energy. That's why I actually have it on my desk right now. Cause it's like, I guess it's time to reread it again. Put some, some nice energy to it as well. Fantastic. Yeah. You shared a lot of great stuff with us today. It's been a wonderful conversation and, and so many things that I wanted to ask you, we didn't get around to. So hopefully you'll consider coming back again in the future. But one thing I do want to ask you is if there's just one thing that you hope people will take away more than anything from the conversation that we've had today, having listened to it, what do you hope that would be? Be authentic, be yourself. Greatest gift you can give the planet, plain and simple. Robert Riopelle, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for coming and being a guest on Speaking Influence. Oh, Johnny, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. I had a little bit of fun with you. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, then consider the price of admission to be sharing the show out with your friends and network, because if you got some value here, so will they. And it helps the show to grow. There's a good chance that the there's a good chance if you're listening to the show right now that you have a device in your hand or certainly somewhere near to you. If you're listening on Spotify, it's now really easy to give the show a star rating. Please do that. It helps us to know if we're on the right track. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, it's actually really easy to give a review for the show and also let people know what 
let people know that it's worth tuning into and also let me know if the show is giving you what you really want, how we could make it even better for you in the future. It's also a chance to let me know what we're doing well. It's also a chance to let me know on the show what I'm doing well and how we could make the show even better for you in the future, especially if there's any particular guests that you would like to see on the show. Coming up very soon on Speaking Influence, we're going to be talking about building influence through technology. And also, we're going to be talking about networking and making sure that you make the most of your opportunities and connections. That's all coming up very soon. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. I look forward to seeing you next time, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going. Have an amazing day and go and make great things happen.